Hi, good morning. I'm Craig Finisted, one of the pastors uh, here at the Wire's Edge. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, thanks so much for being with us. We hope you'll uh, come and uh, worship with us again. We do have starting point right after the service. Uh, if you're leaving, just uh, take a right, and it's going to be in the big community room over there. Even if you didn't register, we'd love to have you join us for lunch. Uh, so if you're new, we hope you'll uh, take advantage of that. We'd love to get to know you and uh, hear your story. We're starting a new series today called uh, Immeasurably More. Um, it was, that video is really cool. It's kind of, uh, it's really neat to see that. Just, you know, we sense that Immeasurably More has happened uh, here since, you know, we bought this property back in uh, 2012. We do have some resources. So if you're in a house church or a small group, um, we do have the study guides that are here. So uh, you can get those on your way out. Uh, the videos are going to be online. Just go to weomaha.com so you can watch the videos, discuss it, just uh, like we typically do. Um, now, if you're not in a house church or a small group, uh, I would encourage you to take one of these anyway. Uh, if you're married, you can talk about it with your spouse. Uh, if you want to do it by yourself, you can you know, do it as a reflection thing. If you want to do it with a child, I think it would be a really cool thing to do. So what, what it does is it gives us some prayers. It uh, looks uh, at some scripture. It gives us some questions for either discussion if you're doing it with a group or reflection uh, if you're doing it on your own. But definitely uh, I would encourage you to take advantage of these. We have more than enough for everybody. So uh, take one your way out today. For those of you online, the resource is online. Just go to weomaha.com. Go down to like the current series and it has the resources. It's really easy to get there. So the whole book is a PDF online as well. So you can take advantage of this wherever you are. So the way I got figured out life happens in one of uh, two ways. It happens like proactively through habit. Now this is typically where we want to be. Uh, this is where we're taking initiative. It's where we're the one kind of driving the bus. Now the other way it happens is, is reactively. So oftentimes here, you're trying to, to fix things. Uh, we're trying to you know, do a desperate attempt or an intervention. So let's just, like, I'll give you an example that, like, all of us deal with. Um, let's just look at, like, dental health. So, like, there's a proactive way to do this. And, like, you all know the proactive way. Like, it's not rocket science. You brush your teeth. Uh, you floss your teeth. You go to the hygienist. Um, you try not to eat sugar. And if you do, you try to brush your teeth after you eat the sugar. And um, if you do those things, I mean, your dental health should be pretty good because you've been proactive. You have those habits. Now, let's say you uh, don't brush your teeth, um, you don't floss, you don't go to the hygienist, you eat sugar all the time. Well, like, here you're going to have to be reactive because your tooth is going to start hurting, and you're going to have to go to the dentist, and this involves shots, and it involves fillings, and drills, and, uh, you know, extractions, and root canals. So, like, that's how you react. Uh, so, being proactive is a lot less painful long-term, and it, uh, it's a lot cheaper long-term as well. Um, being reactive, it can be really painful. It doesn't always, you know, fix the problems, and it can be costly. Now, let's look at our relationships uh, for those of you that get a marriage. Uh, there's a way to be proactive. The way to be proactive is to spend time together, uh, quality time together, like doing things that you both like to do. It's uh, using good words. Um, it's not like, you know, using negative words and, and criticizing. It's like selflessly serving the other person. Like, that's the habit. It's like, if you do that, the relationship most likely is just going to be a uh, blessing to both parties. Now, um, if uh, you don't do a lot of these things, um, if you take each other for granted, if you neglect each other, if uh, there's a lot more uh, bad words than, than good words, like you're going to have to react because 
relationship is going to go under stress. Your relationship is eventually, uh, you know, going to be really problematic. So you might try like a therapist. Uh, you might, you know, a lot of times I'll see like, you know, the offending party kind of like try to overcompensate and like they'll have all these good words and all these big gifts and like let's do all these things together all the time. And, you know, no one can keep that up. So, like, that's the reactive thing. So, again, here in relationships, proactive is, is better than reactive. Now, this prayer is going to be the same way. So, there's some of you that have the proactive prayer thing totally figured out. Like, your daily talks with God are, like, very important to who you are. You, you're really good at, like, hearing God's voice. Like, you, uh, God is the person that you go to when you have something to celebrate. God's the person, the first person that you, you, you share your, uh, your sorrows with. Um, now, they're reactive, and I almost think in a way, like, regardless of how proactive you are, um, there's still going to be, like, this reactive part of prayer. Like, we get the call from the boss that we no longer have a job. We get the call from the doctor that uh, the test didn't come out good. You know, we see our child suffering, and that's, like, one of the worst pains in life. Like, here, oftentimes, we'll we'll turn to God because there's just no one else to turn to. Like in the end, it's, it's God's power, it's God's help that we need. Uh, you know, so we live in like this proactive land, hopefully, like everything from dental care to relationships to our, our journey with God. And then, you know, we'll just use the reactive stuff when, when it's necessary. Um, so I remember it was the Thursday uh, before Memorial Day of 2001 so some of you are probably wondering, like, how do you remember, like, that day, uh, you know, from 22 years ago? Well, I was a new pastor in Spencer, Iowa. I'd been there about a year. It was my, my first church out of seminary. And uh, most of the people in Spencer would have had, uh, not most, but many of them would have had, like, places they would go up at Okoboji, and it was Memorial Day weekend. So it was Thursday, and a lot of people were, you know, headed up there for the first long weekend of the year. Now, Amber and I took a trip uh, we took a trip north for about a half hour. We went, you know, through Okoboji, through Spirit Lake, all the way up to uh, I-90. Then when we got to I-90, we went west about an hour and 10, 15 minutes to, to Sioux Falls. Now, it was the day before our, our fifth anniversary. In our fifth anniversary, we said, let's do something fun. Like, let's, uh, let's, like, go on a cruise or go to Europe or something like that. But the problem, Amber ruined everything because, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, she did, like, and I'll, I'll tell you why. She was nine months pregnant at the time. <laughs> and they wouldn't, like, allow the cruise or the international travel. And, like, this pregnancy was not easy. Like, the last two or three months, she was pretty much on bed rest. And you know how much work that meant for me? <laughs> like, I had to clean bathrooms and cook and, like, clean dishes. And, like, we had a puppy at the time that was 125 pounds, and the puppy was still growing. Like, we moved here, and that puppy was, like, his, do his dog by the time we moved here. It was 160 pounds. I had to take care of this beast all by myself. And then, then there was, like, the late-night runs to Taco Bell. <laughs> like, can I have, like, six tacos and four burritos? And like <laughs> thankfully, she's in Florida with David, and I know she's not listening to this. And <laughs> if she is, the topic of the sermon is prayer, so pray for me. <laughs> now, I'm guessing it wasn't easy for her either, so... Uh, the doctors and Spencer didn't feel comfortable delivering the baby, so they uh, sent us to Sioux Falls, um, which we were fine with. Uh, I'd rather be in, you know, really good hands as opposed to people that just thought, you know, this might be a challenge for them. So we checked in. Uh, they induced labor shortly after uh, we checked in on that Thursday. Um, 
she fell asleep. Uh, it didn't take right away. It took a while to, for the drug to kick in, I guess. I was hungry. I hadn't eaten all day, so I went downstairs and, downstairs and got like a burger and fries and a milkshake. Um, so guys uh, who have not been through this before, even if you don't hear anything else today, like, don't do something dumb like that. <laughs> like, I came back in there, and like, that place smelled like, the room smelled like McDonald's by the time I was done eating, and she wasn't happy, so then she started the contractions, and like, uh, you know, that happened, and all of a sudden, like, day was uh, evening, evening was night, night was the morning, so now it's the 25th of May, it's a Friday morning. Um, you know, all that stuff, they tell you at the hospital, like at that Saturday morning class, you totally forget it. You know, do you breathe like three times? <laughs> um, so then um, we didn't have a clue if it was a boy or a girl, if you can imagine that. Uh, we just thought we'd do it the biblical way and not find out. So they didn't get that the first service either. Um, I, th I still think this is funny, and I'm not going to give up on this joke. <laughs> because they wouldn't have had, like, the technology back in, like, uh, 52 A.D. to determine if it was a boy or a girl. Like, that was the joke. All right, so we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Um, we had names picked out. So she had a name picked out for a boy and a girl, and I had a totally different name picked out for a boy and a girl. So that was going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> so now it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Amber says something to the nurse. Um, I have no idea, like, about medicine and that sort of stuff. But it was something significant because the nurse, like, you know, did some stuff and called some people, and all of a sudden the obstetrician was in the room, and... Um, just shortly after that, you know, he's putting his gown on and the gloves and all that kind of stuff. And shortly after that, uh, they actually had a pediatrician come in. Obviously, they thought there was an issue, which uh, that made me really, made us really nervous. Um, you know, the, another nurse came in to work with a pediatrician. So uh, the baby was born. Um, at first, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl because uh, the baby wasn't breathing. Um, now, I don't remember if it was like a minute, I don't remember if it was two minutes, if it was 30 seconds, if it was 10 seconds. I just don't, I have no concept of time. Like, this is not what you would see on the TV shows, you know, where the, you know, dad goes and, you know, cuts a little cord. They pass the little baby off to the uh, pediatrician, and that room was just silent. Like, there was not a noise you could hear other than the nurse counting. And then the nurse, or the pediatrician, he was like hit in the back of the stomach. I couldn't really tell. There was like so many people in there, and... You know, so then, uh, like, this beautiful noise, like, the cry finally happened. And, like, he didn't stop crying for, like, two years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but that was fine. Like, I, I told this story before. Like, I don't get annoyed when I hear babies crying. Like, it takes more than that to annoy me um, because I know the alternative of having a baby who doesn't cry. So there's a baby in here crying, and I'm just going to talk louder and slower. Um, and uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, so... Uh, I had, I had lunch, uh, dinner with the boy last night. Here's what he looks like now. There he is. <laughs> so yeah, we had Chick-fil-A last night. We, uh, he's moving to Washington, D.C., so we went to his girlfriend's mom's house and picked up some stuff, and we both wanted to try the pimento cheese uh, Chick-fil-A sandwich. It just sounded good, and we did. And If you want to know how it was, you can ask me after church. If you don't want to know, um, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> It doesn't matter, though, because you can't go there today because it's closed. So <laughs> now some of you are more frustrated with me than you usually are. Now, um, I remember Holden Benjamin uh, probably like 12 hours after he was born. So this would be like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Amber was sleeping. 
the nurses, uh, you know, you're out in the hallway, and I was just holding this little guy, and um, has anyone ever felt, like, overwhelmed before in life? Just a real quick show of hands, like, in any area. And uh, the rest of you are just, like, so overwhelmed that you can't even, like, think about, like, which hand to raise. And <laughs> have you ever felt, like, underqualified? Uh, have you ever just felt inadequate? And, like, I felt all three of those and then some. Uh, it was the not the first time in my life that I felt this way, and there certainly will be more to come, and there's more coming, I'm sure, after that. But this one is different. Like, all of a sudden, I'm holding this little guy, and like, oh, I'm the boss of this kid. <laughs> that seems like a pretty big responsibility for someone that has no qualifications or experience. I mean, they don't teach us in seminary. They don't teach us in college. That little class at the hospital, like, just like I didn't remember the breathing, there's no way I'm going to remember the other stuff they told me. The 30 years, 31 years of my life at the time, uh, didn't prepare me, and so I thought about prayer, and just, you know, like, proactive, and I'll be honest, like, proactive prayer has always been a challenge for me. Now, many of you know that I have uh, ADHD, um, and I have a pretty severe case of it. I've always had it. I always will have it. Um, so I, you know, I take medicine. I keep lists. I, you know, try to exercise. I know how to cope, um, but, you know, I have to, I was talking to a guy for the first service. I actually, when I try to do the proactive focus prayer, I have to have a sheet of paper and a pen or a pencil in front of me and write and like, you know, stay on track like that. And I don't think back 22 years ago, I was probably even that savvy at it back then. Um, so this was more of a reactive prayer. It, it, it's, it was definitely more of a, a, a reactive prayer. And um, the prayer was just me talking at first. Like, and I don't remember the exact prayer, but it was probably something like, you know, God help me to have a amazing relationship uh, with this boy. Um, God, give me patience. I guess probably in parenting you need patience, and um, I don't have that, so can you give me some of that? And, um, you know, I, wanna, I, I, I know I pray, like, Lord, help me to teach him the most important things in life, like forgiveness and uh, uh, what it means like to, to serve, what it means like to communicate well. Um, how to cook really good Norwegian food. Like, those are things you need to know in life. And, like, I want to teach this kid these things. Now, I just finished a Bible study on Ephesians with, uh, like, like, you know, there's, like, ten churches in the town, and, like, eight of us clergy, like, had a small group of our own. And we went through Ephesians, and I remember, like, the prayer that Paul prayed, and I didn't know the specific verses. I probably know it's in, like, chapter three or four, and I opened up my Bible to Ephesians 3, and Back then, you couldn't do it on your phone because your phone back then was a phone. Uh, and you actually called people on it. Uh, and there was nothing else you did except just like, call people on it or receive calls. So I had a book, and it had the pages, and I found the page. And uh, so I, I prayed the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Um, I, I prayed this for Benjamin. I was holding the one arm, the Bible was in the other. And, you know, it's... It, it's a prayer I'm familiar with nowadays, so when I um, think of this, I, I fall to my knees and I, I pray to God the Father, uh, the maker of, of the heaven and, and the earth, and I pray that from his glorious, unlimited uh, resources, uh, he'll empower you to be strong, you know, with faith in your, your inner spirit. Uh, I pray that uh, he may dwell in your, in your, in your heart. Um, uh, through faith, and I pray that your roots will go deep down into the the soils of of God's love and uh, keep you strong. And and may you have the the vision to 
experience the, the height and the depth and the length and the width of, of God's love for you, even though you're never going to fully understand it. You know, may you experience the, the love of Christ, though it's uh, certainly too great for any of us to understand. And, and then you'll be made complete through, through his fullness. And then uh, the prayer continues. Um, uh, <clears throat> now to him, now to him, uh, who is able to do immeasurably more than any of us could ever ask or imagine. To God be the glory, uh, to Christ and his church, both now and forevermore. Amen. So that's uh, the text we're going to be talking about for the next five weeks. Um, now this morning I asked Siri a question, and Siri has actually stood, led me astray before. So I verified the answer with Alexa, and they had the same. <laughs> yeah, so strange things that happened at the Finisted household at 5.15 on Sunday mornings. Um, sermon fact-checking. <laughs> so I asked, uh, how many days ago was May 25th, 2001? And they both said 8,185 days. So I've prayed that prayer. Um, don't think I've memorized it this week. I've prayed that prayer 8,185 consecutive days. There's never been a day I've missed. I've prayed different translations. I've written my own translation. Um, just like that one, I kind of just mixed a bunch of them together. Um, at first, the first five and a half years was for Benny. The, after that, uh, the brother got included in the prayer as well. Um, so oftentimes I prayed the prayer for all of us as the church. I remember back in uh, 2012 when we had to make this really critical decision, um, you know, whether we buy this land or not. Like, this was a prayer that I, I prayed for the church. Um, you know, back in uh, 2018 when we transitioned from Millard West to here, like, this was a season that I, I, I prayed for the church. And I remember when COVID happened in May of 2020, you know, none of us knew what was going to happen. And um, I was really anxious that, uh, you know, something amazing was going to disappear because of a disease. And, you know, I, I prayed this prayer for the church. I'll, I'll pray this prayer for myself as well. And I don't see praying for yourself as selfish I see praying for yourself as self-care. Like, why would we not want to pray for, for someone that God loves so much? Like, when I pray this prayer for myself, it's a powerful thing. Like, may Christ dwell deep in my heart. May the roots of God's love uh, you know, go deep down to the soils of my life. Um, and then I, I, I love... Uh, that last, or the second to last verse in there. Um, it's uh, not a him. Not a him who was, who was able to do, to do what? Immeasurably more than any of us could ever dare ask or, or imagine. You know, God can do immeasurably more. So I remember back in probably like 2011, I'm guessing it might have been 2010. Uh, this property here was a cornfield. And... Uh, Benjamin was probably 10 at the time. He and I came out, and David was like three at the time, and he wasn't remotely interested in walking through a cornfield. And, you know, we'd experienced some disappointment. We really was uh, looking forward to purchasing a, the property at 180th and uh, Harrison, just down the street. It was closer to my house, which would have been like, you know, I could have walked there almost, <laughs> which I really liked. But um, we just thought it was like a wonderful property, and I met with a farmer in his that old white house. Some of you have been around here for a while. Remember that old white house? And 
you know, we had that property appraised at $850,000, and he says, well, I'll sell it to you for $2.5 million. Um, so there's no need to negotiate. I can't go that high. You can't go that low. So uh, I'll, pray, I'll pray for you. <laughs> then, like, we were really interested in a property at, like, 180th and Center um, on the north west side where those houses are now i just thought it up on the hill and it's like on that busy intersection and the developer at the end he just didn't want to sell it to a church so uh i remember Bench and i we were walking on this property and like we're walking through the cornfields and um he's actually here so i won't say what i said at the first service about him not liking dirt or bugs or heat or humidity <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> i don't know if you remember but like he uh he had an idea of like where the church should be and it's pretty much where it is now. Um, and then he wanted to put in some soccer fields because uh, his coach, who was me, uh, <laughs> always struggled to find like soccer fields for the kids to practice like at a reasonable time. So uh, that's what he wanted was uh, soccer fields in a, a building. And um, but gosh, I think about it, I watched that video earlier and I think about it measurably more. Like for those of us who have been around that long, and even if you haven't been around that long, you've, you've experienced it. I've seen relationships be healed. I've seen new friendships start. I've seen the forgiveness of sins. Um, and we just had a group of people come back from Nicaragua. We've got another one going to Uganda. Um, don't want to go to Belize this, uh, this summer. We planted a church in Cuba. I mean, th this is immeasurably more stuff. Um, songs have been sung. People have been uh, given companions to walk through some of the most difficult days of their life. They did not have to do this alone. You know, visitors have become uh, uh, family. Kids have been mentored. The poor have been fed. You know, there's so much more, immeasurably more, that has happened, and there's so much more, immeasurably more, that, that will happen. You know, Chris Simon, I, uh, he's the leader of our Uganda mission. So totally independent of each other, about the same time, it was probably like 2010, 2011, like we both had the exact same vision from God, and like neither of us knew it. And we were just talking one day, and I said, gosh, I just really feel the Lord might be leading us to go to Africa, specifically Uganda. And like he just like, like his face just like, like I've had this exact same dream. And like right there, like we just said, okay, this is going to happen. Um, if God's given this to both of us, uh, you know, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader, and you're going to do it. <laughs> And, and he's done it, and he's done, like, amazing. And this year, we're taking our biggest crew we've ever taken. Um, people are going to see a doctor that typically don't get to see a doctor. Uh, pregnant women are going to get prenatal care. Malaria is going to be treated. There's going to be AIDS uh, tests that are going to help treat people. There'll be mosquito nests that will prevent people from getting malaria. Can you imagine going to bed at night worrying about if you have to get bit by a mosquito and you get the malaria? And, like, these nets will save that. And um, So I want to look at how prayer sets the stage for immeasurably more. And I want to have uh, two of our own people share their story. So this is Cindy and Lori. And I want you to listen um, to their experience. And I want you to listen to the, uh, where prayer fits in on them discerning you know, whether they're going to go to Uganda or not. Just felt very at ease and very at home here. Um, it seemed like just a natural decision for us to to come, it was always very inviting. People were extremely friendly. God just really, you know, tugged on our heart, and um, we decided to join. We wanted, we wanted to be part of the bigger picture. It just took walking through the through the front door. 
I could just, as soon as I walked in, I just felt comfortable and just belonged. I have been on one mission trip prior to this, and honestly, I've been telling this to everybody that the minute my daughter and I got home from that mission trip, we both looked at each other and said, when can we go again? I've had my, my reservations for sure, but um, I really feel like God is just leading me and that this is, this is the right time and this is, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm supposed to be going to Uganda, so I'm very excited. I'm excited to meet a new culture of people. I'm excited to see a, a gorgeous new country. I'm excited to just see what God does in me and through our uh, through our group. My reservations, yes, I guess. How am I gonna get away from work for two weeks? Um, two weeks sounded like a really long time compared to the other mission trips were just a week long. I've never ever done anything like this. It's been on my heart for a very long time to go somewhere. When you think about international travel and being on a plane for almost in, in terminals for 24 hours. That's two weeks away from family, two weeks away from work. Those, those are, I feel like, normal reservations. I was at, at church and listened to, you know, the different sermons. I kept hearing that little voice in the back of my head, change your why to why not. Don't stand there with your toes on the edge, just jump in with both feet. He wants us to go to him with everything in prayer because he wants that um, very intimate relationship with us as his children. So this is a big thing, right? But then also just, you know, reminding me, Lori, come to me with the little things as well. And, um, you know, I just really sought his peace and I, I needed that little check in my spirit again, um, just confirming that I'm in his will and I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. If that little voice is in my head saying, this is something you need to do, um, just to be leaning on him and knowing that he's, he's not gonna do this for, for bad, it's gonna be for good. It is a big commitment. Um, it is getting out of your comfort zone for most of us. We live in Nebraska and we have deer and bunnies here, but there's a lot of things that are dangerous wildlife there, <laughs> which really I did think about. Um, I, yeah, I feel like God just, again, gave me that peace, that peace. So I'm guessing when they come back in a month or so, um, and I talked to two of the people from Nicaragua that went on that trip this morning, and they're going to have stories of immeasurably more. Because when you do four things, you set the table for immeasurably more. Jesus came to the world to uh, forgive. He came to the world to give. Uh, he came to the world to serve. And when he wasn't doing those things, he was praying. So praying, giving, uh, serving, and forgiving these are the things that set the table for more immeasurably more. Now, Paul is in jail when he writes this letter. He had started this church in Ephesus. You might remember from our uh, road trip series this summer. He had started the church from Ephesus a few years prior to that. He was in jail for something he didn't do. So um, what Paul did is he wrote a letter to the Ephesians to encourage them. Now, it's, it's an act of love to speak good words uh, into someone's life. Now, 
Paul prays for them immeasurably more. And the reason he does this is he's experienced it. You know, Paul knows what it's like to try to work out your own salvation. You know, Paul knows what it's like to, um, you know, try to measure up to God's standard and, and, and fail. Then there's a the day that Paul received grace, and that's when the immeasurably more started. You know, Paul knows what it was like to plant a church and, and see the church thrive. Paul knows what it was like to look up into the sky when he was sailing on the sea and, uh, you know, experience God in that way. Paul knows what it was like to experience deep community with other believers who had a, a mission and a purpose and a, a passion together. So it's with this type of compassion, it's with this type of passion, it's with this type of hope that, that Paul prays this prayer. Now he starts the prayer, uh, for this reason I, I kneel before the Father. There's another translation that I like, and it's one I typically use. Um, and it's like, so when, I, when I think of you, I, I get down on my knees and I... I prayed to I prayed to the Father. So when the boys were little, I used to tell them bedtime stories every night, and uh, it was just like a finished ed ritual. It lasted for years, and I'd just go into their rooms and um, I kind of kneel down beside their bed. It wasn't like an intentional posture. It's just like you know, it's the most comfortable position I had, and I would just you know they're tired, and I'd say once upon a time in a land far away. All the stories start off the same way. Uh, there lived a little boy whose name was, was David. And David was a, every night it was different. You know, David was a farmer. And David grew uh, apples. And the apple crop was really good one year. And then one day, a storm came. And I'd finish out the story, and by the time I was done with the story, I don't know if you all have noticed this before, but I have this really soothing, relaxing voice that, that puts people to sleep. And I know that some of you are fighting that very temptation right now, but... You're also kind of deeply impressed with the content I have, and you do at least want to hear me out on this one. So the boys would fall asleep, and so sometimes I would pray this prayer, like kneeling, just right beside their bed, and it wasn't necessarily intentional. It's just, you know, the position I was in, and, you know, pray to you, God, uh, you know, who's the, the maker of heaven and earth. I pray for your glorious riches that uh, David will experience uh, inner peace through faith. You continue the prayer. Um, now, most times I've prayed this prayer, uh, I've not been on my knees. I've been sitting down. Um, that's typically how I pray because I do have to keep that list in front of me and you know, I have to journal as I, as I pray. There's sometimes I pray when I'm walking. There's when I used to run. I used to pray when I was running. I, I did it from the prayer path. Uh, last week, the construction workers were out there. They built the new patio and <coughs> installed that little globe fire pit. And there's a point behind it. I'll get that and I'll get to that next year. But... Um, you know, walking like is totally appropriate. Like, so Paul isn't talking about a physical posture here. Um, now, I do believe that when Paul was praying this prayer from his jail, so I totally believe Paul was probably on his knees because that's the type of person Paul was. Um, but he's talking more of a, a spiritual, emotional posture. Paul is, so when you get on your knees in almost any culture, that's going to be a, a, a sign or a symbol of uh, submission. You know, so what Paul is doing here is saying, like, God, I submit to you. Like, I come to you with humility. I know who I am. I'm a sinner. I know that apart from you, I can do absolutely nothing. And I, I know who you are. Like, you're the maker of the heavens, and, and you're the maker of the earth. And so Paul is saying here, like, you know, don't worry about your physical posture. He's saying, like, let's worry about our uh, emotional and, and spiritual posture. And it's, it's one, then, of, uh, one of humility. Now, the next thing I like about this is uh, 
Paul also uh, notes that he's praying to the Father. Um, so here he's talking like, it's like this personal relationship. It's the same word Jesus uses in the Greek. It's just like, you know, Benjamin or David would call me dad. Um, it's like that type of intimacy. So like, on one hand, he's praying with the intimacy to a parent, a loving parent that wants to have a relationship with him. Uh, and then on the other hand, he's, uh, you know, praying to like the creator of the heavens and the earth. I remember I grew up about a block away from my uh, paternal grandparents. And grandpa was quite a bit older than grandma. Uh, he would have been in his 80s when this happened, and she would have been in her 70s. So in the early 90s, she got uh, breast cancer. She lived about a year and a half after that. Um, I was home uh, one summer from college, and it was the summer she died. So I went up to the house just to check on him. Uh, I would typically do that. And it was a small house, two bedrooms, one bathroom, a small kitchen, and like a bigger family room they added on. And no one was in the family room. I go up to the kitchen, no one's there. Uh, I thought, well, maybe Grandpa's uh, sleeping. He wasn't in his bed. I was in the bathroom, no one's in the bathroom. So I think I wonder what's going on. Maybe Grandma's sleeping, he went outside or something. I looked in there, and uh, <coughs> this is like an image. You know how sometimes you see images, like you just never forget them? Like, this is an image I will never forget. You know, Grandpa was uh, on his knees, like, by her bed. Uh, I'm guessing she probably had a few weeks left at this point, and the pain medicine, I'm guessing, was what was causing her to sleep. And, you know, he talked, like, with this wonderful blend of, like, Norwegian and English. And, um, but the words were familiar. I just remember, like, him, like, he was struggling to say these words. He was saying, like, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health. Even though I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, uh, because your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. That your will will happen here on, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, no one ever accused Grandpa of being a theologian, and he wasn't. But it was pretty remarkable how he could uh, you know, blend together the wedding vows, the 23rd Psalm, and the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> but it wasn't the words, it wasn't the posture that mattered. Uh, it was the passion. You know, I, he never knows. I, I heard him say that prayer that day. You, know, you see love like that, you just like take a picture of it, you leave, and it lives with you forever. Um, and when Paul prayed for the Ephesians that night in the jail cell, I'm guessing it was with that type of love and that type of passion and that type of compassion that he got on his knees. And he prayed for these men and women that he shared life with for a fairly brief time. You know, that they had become all these things and more and that they would experience immeasurably more. Now, God is this relational father that Paul saw. Uh, Paul also gives us a second glimpse of God in the second verse of this prayer in uh, Verse 15, uh, the creator, the, the father, the, the creator of everything in the, the heavens and the earth. Like, so at once, like, I love this part of the prayer. Like, God is approachable and loving. Like, God, like, wants a relationship with you. Like, he invites us to uh, approach him and, and to share. But then at the same time, like, God's like the creators of the heaven and the earth, and God's all-powerful. So this is where the power comes from, and this continues in 16. So I, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, like 
like take a picture of this one, like write it down, remember it. Um, this is uh, abundance, this is generosity. It, it's not what we can do, it's what God can do. So here's the deal, like you can take all the self-help classes you want, you can read the good leadership books, you can be mentored, you can be coached, and the most that any of us at our absolute best are ever going to be able to accomplish is measurably more. Now, when we bring God into the equation, um, all of a sudden we have these glorious unlimited resources, and all of a sudden we can experience immeasurably more. You know, Kierkegaard, uh, in his book, uh, Purity of the Heart, is to uh, do one thing. He helped me understand prayer when he says in this book, the function of prayer is, is not to influence God. Uh, so God already kind of knows who God is. He kind of knows what's going on. Um, he's pretty confident with all that stuff. Kierkegaard continues, it's not to influence God, it's to uh, change the one who prays. Uh, so I, uh, uh, I pray this prayer 8,000 days, and I'm going to say something that's going to surprise a few of y'all. Um, I am not a perfect dad. Like, Benjamin could come up here and he could give uh, testimony for the next six hours. Uh, but I'm a different person than I was uh, 22 years ago. Um, and I hope all of us can say, like, every, I hope everybody in this room can say, like, we are different a year from now than we were today because uh, we, we, we started taking this journey of prayer really seriously. And we may not have not changed God's mind on very much, but uh, you know, prayer certainly, certainly changed us. Um, now, part of the prayer journey is indeed our own growth, like how to connect to others, how we live in gratitude and like see immeasurably more, how we practice generosity so that others can, can share immeasurably more and how we can grow in our faith. And these will be the things we look at over the next four weeks. Now, I think Benny is going to move, I think, probably the next week or two. We are talking about that last night and still haven't got it figured out. But he's going to go to Washington, D.C. And um, let's just say the first week we talk a few times. And we text a few times. And then the second week is just once. And the third week I don't get anything from him. And the fourth week I get a picture of him and his girlfriend in front of the Washington Memorial. Um, and I see a picture on Instagram how they went to, like, these restaurants four nights in a week. And then... Uh, I don't hear anything you know, over Christmas, then it's January. Um, and he realizes that Washington, D.C. is like a fairly expensive place to live. And he spent like too much of his money, saw too many things. And uh, he calls me up and says, Daddy, I, uh, how you doing? It's good to hear your voice. So I need some money. We've got to pay our rent this month. <laughs> now, how do you think that would make me feel? Um, I guess just like I didn't hear a darn thing. It's like, <laughs> no, I wouldn't feel good about it, right? Okay, so welcome to God's world. You know, like, we don't do that proactive stuff. We don't do the check-in. We don't share the celebrations. We don't uh, share the tough stuff. Um, we don't do the hard work of prayer. Um, but then, like, when something big happens, oh, gosh, you know, I need your help on this one. Um, you got to fix this relationship. You got to, you know, change this person. Um, yeah, so we be proactive and not reactive. I'm going to give us a chance to do that. So in your bulletins this week, um, there's actually a card with a prayer on it. And what I want to invite you to do is, uh, and if uh, you don't have a bulletin, you can get one on the way out. And um, the prayer is also in the book here. For those of you online, um, you know, the prayers that we Omaha 
Facebook.com. Uh, you can also go to like you know Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. But what I want you to do um, throughout this series is pray this prayer for somebody. Um, and it's going to take you one minute. That's how long it takes to read it. Like, do you have one minute a day where you can do this? I think you do. But I want you to pick somebody. Maybe it's the person you're married to. Maybe it's a child. Um, maybe it's the church. Maybe it's a parent, like whoever. But I want you to think of them when you pray this prayer. And I'm guessing what's going to happen is you're going to do this, and uh, it's going to be a really cool experience for you. And then you're going to start to add some stuff on in the beginning. You're going to start to add some stuff on in the end. And what happens when we pray? What happens when we give? What happens when we serve? What happens when we forgive? Is it sets a table for immeasurably more. I know everyone here in this room this morning wants immeasurably more. So let's pray. God, it's with gratitude that we come and we, uh, we just thank you for the immeasurably more that we've already experienced in life. You know, those, those moments, those people, uh, the accomplishments, um, the peace, the forgiveness, the hope. Times, God, that you've given us more than we could ever ask or, or imagine. Lord, help us to be faithful in prayer. Help us, God, just to you know, dial you up like we would a friend. And, uh, and to, to share, to, to celebrate together, to, to uh, have, you, have you share our sorrows, to, Lord, to, to listen to, to your wisdom. God, to just, if nothing else, just be present with you, the, the maker of uh, the heavens and the earth. God, we um, uh, just thank you for the, the gifts of abundance. We thank you for people who have, uh, people who have prayed for us. Lord, we uh, just pray this coming week that there's times that we can kneel before you and we can pray with passion and compassion for the person or the people that you have uh, set on our hearts. God, um, we uh, seek your direction. Um, Lord, help us to do these things that set the table and make immeasurably more possible. Help us to forgive. Help us to be faithful in serving. Lord, help us to just be extravagantly generous. Help us, Lord, to uh, find ourselves on our knees, you know, praying for, for more of you um, in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, in the lives of, lives of our church. And God, even open our eyes so that we can see that immeasurably uh, more is even happening right now. Lord, let's not take this, uh, these blessings for granted, but let us, Lord, um, just with gratitude, uh, give you glory and thanks and, and praise. So, Lord, we, uh, I, I pray for the house churches that are going to be uh, you know, discussing this. I pray for the individuals and families who will be uh, reflecting. God, I pray that this is a time of significant growth in our, in our lives together as we just want to keep experiencing immeasurably more. So, Lord, it's another prayer um, that many of us pray many times. Uh, it's a prayer that you prayed, and God, we close our time together as we pray this together in one voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, just three things real quick. Number one, uh, pick up your study guides on the way out. If you're in a house church and you see some of them missing this morning, so, uh, feel free to pick some up uh, for them. Or even if there's just someone that God's put in your heart that you think they might be blessed by this, you can get it for them. Uh, the shoe boxes are available for pickup. I encourage you to do that. It's just a really cool thing to be a blessing uh, to someone, especially someone you'll ever uh, never meet. Um, you're going to make the highlight of uh, someone's life this year. And uh, the four, uh, third one is if uh, you're new or fairly new and you want to come to Starting Point, that's going to start in just a few minutes. So as you're leaving this room, just take a right, and it's in the big community room over there. So have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next week at the Water's Edge.